welcome, welcome, welcome into Devori Darkens Live. Uh, always grateful to be here with you guys. Help you get what you want. Um, because we are located in America, but we broadcast all over the world. Uh, America is celebrating Columbus Day. So today is a holiday. So hopefully you guys are taking advantage of that. Um, and we're still going to show up. Nothing new here. We're going to show up uh, for you because this show is about you. And when I think about my own journey when I first started, um, I think this was still before podcasts were, um, I mean, podcasts were a thing, but I don't think it's a thing like it is today. And one thing that would have been nice <clears throat> in the beginning of my journey is if I had somebody that I was able to listen to on a daily basis. Um, and that person for me was Bob Proctor, but he did not have a podcast. He had a YouTube channel. So my expectation is not only are you enjoying this, but also you're getting something out of it and you're seeing your life change in front of you. And if that's happening, make sure you let me know. Make sure you share that with people. Share with people the changes that have been happening because you've been listening and get them to listen. But if you're new here, let's take care of a, a couple of things first. Number one, this podcast is recorded uh, and it's recorded two different ways. One, video, so you can replay this on YouTube, on my YouTube channel. And secondly, audio, so you can go back and listen to this on whatever streaming service you like to use. So if that's Spotify or Google or Apple or Amazon, uh, the choice is yours. We also go live on TikTok, uh, where we always have quite a few people who are joining us. Um, and I always shout out uh, gratitude for the people who are following me on TikTok and watching and engaging and participating, and also for the people on YouTube. So having said all that, we're going to get right into this main topic today. Why is that? If there's going to be any problem in the world that on an individual level, we all need to take care of is this whole issue about our self-image, our self-worth, our self-esteem. So what does that even mean? What are you going to get by listening to this show today? If you are an individual right now where you've got some pains from the past that you're still holding on to, some mistakes, some uh, events, some memories that are painful, you're still, you're still holding on to those. Maybe you're a person who gets their feelings hurt easily. Maybe you're a person, you know you're better, but you don't do better. You know you're better, but you don't do anything about it. It has everything to do with your emotions uh, in regards to your self-image. That's really what we're talking about today. So I'm going to teach you something today. Again, sometimes I do these podcasts and I feel like some episodes are really a masterclass. And this is what this one feels like today. This really feels like a masterclass. And I'm really going to get into some deep stuff. So for some of you guys, you might actually get emotional during this show because we're, we're going to dive deep on it. We, we really are. We need to address um, the scars that we've developed over time emotionally. And we need to remove those scars so we can move on with our life and start feeling like the person that we want to become and, and feel like we really love ourselves and feel like we can accept love from others and really go out there and live our best lives. And it doesn't matter which way you approach this, the 
outcome has to be the same. The outcome is you on an emotional level, you have to be right with yourself. You have to be right with yourself and you cannot be right with yourself if you're still holding on to the past. If you're still holding on to grudges, if you're still allowing in the present moment to allow other people to dictate your happiness, if that's you, I don't think it's an option of you listening today. I think you're going to want to listen. I think it's actually almost mandatory because you're going to you're this might change your life today. And that's a bold statement, but I'm I'm saying it because it changed my life. These are not my opinions. These are not my ideas. We're going to be learning from someone who has the resume, has the results. Now, I've used what he said in the book. I've used it. I've used it with my clients. So there's results there, but it's coming from someone who knows exactly what they're talking about. Now, if you guys want to know what we're going to be reading from, it's Psycho-Cybernetics by Maxwell Maltz. I gave this book out to, um, I, this is my fourth copy, by the way. This is my fourth copy because usually when I meet somebody or if I have a client or something like that and I really feel they need this book, I'll immediately give it to them. I don't even hesitate. I'll just give them the book physically. So I finally got it in and um, I really don't like reading books digitally. I'll just be honest. I, there's something about physically opening the book and act, it just there's no distractions, I guess, if that, that makes any sense. So I got the book in physically. Um, and I went to my favorite chapter, which is chapter 10, how to remove emotional scars or how to give yourself an emotional facelift. So that's what we're going to be getting in today. That's what we're going to be reading from today. And a couple more or just one more thing that we need to address, kind of the elephant in the room, is some people are not ready to forgive. Some people are not ready to uh upgrade their self-worth. Uh, some people are not ready to face the music, so to speak. They're not ready to look in the mirror and, and really face it. They want to avoid it. And I'm going to tell you why this is a huge problem. And, and I'll read it to you, but I just want to kind of give you my story on how I know this to be true. So some of you guys know my story. Some of you guys don't. But here's the bottom line. Uh, both of my parents were drug addicts. I was sexually molested as a child. I was bullied in school. I was the only child, single mother, by the way. Uh, she ended up passing away in high school. So I had all these emotional scars, so to speak. I had this lack of self-worth about myself coming right out of high school at, at my adult age, 18 years old. I had no confidence, no self-worth. Um, I was very cold-hearted towards people and towards myself. And I really lived with a lot of guilt shame and uh, pain, anger. I had a lot of that. And every day, most of the time, every day, I did not feel good about me. Now, there were things in my life that I did feel good about, uh, which was the military at the time. I was obsessed with the military. In fact, if it wasn't for the military, I, I don't know where I'd be today. Because that was the one thing in my life that was simple. It was productive. It was, it was engaging, it was interesting, it was challenging. Everything else in my life was, was in a state of chaos. It was, I was bankrupt in, in all areas of my life, for sure. And I'm telling this story because early on, I didn't want to change. 
I felt justified in the way that I felt. I felt justified in the way I treated people. I felt justified in the way I treated myself. Because I was operating with the wrong information. You all know what it's like. You probably know what it's like. Where you feel justified in thinking negatively and feeling negatively and acting negatively towards other people and towards yourself. Because we seem to have this, this, um, maybe it's contagious, maybe it's an addiction, maybe it's, it just, there's something about it that we have this need to want to hold on to the pain. So-and-so said this to me, I'm not going to let that go. It's so wrong. So-and-so did this to me. That's, that's a sin. That's a mistake. I'm not, I'm not going to forget that. And we go throughout life holding on to these grudges and these pains. And I didn't know at the time that's the biggest mistake a person can make is holding on. Because what are we really holding on to? We're not holding on to anything that really is helping us. We're actually holding on to something that is hurting us. Well, I didn't see that at the time. I said, hey, I didn't have a father. Uh, I didn't, I didn't, my, my mom, she was a, a drug addict. You know, screw this world. You know, I hate people. I, you know, people are so mean. You know, they used to make fun of me in school. They were bullied. My, my family, you know, I didn't have nobody there when I was 18. I had to do it all on my own. Screw people. I can't trust nobody. That was, that was my, my mindset. That was my, that's how I felt. Well, that went on for many years, and I'm going to tell you, nothing really changed. If anything, things got worse. Why? Because you start to get older, and it, be it becomes more frustrating because you become aware that you know something is wrong. And no matter where you move, doesn't matter what relationship you get into, doesn't matter if you changed your jobs, you're still going to have the same issue. And that's, that actually might be you right now. Uh, there's quite a few people out there like that right now. They think moving somewhere is going to fix their issues. It won't. They think making more money will fix that issue. It won't. They think if I if I could just find the right person, it's not going to happen. Because they are waiting for the outside to change, and then they'll change on the inside. That was me. I thought, hey, you know what? Let me just focus on the military. Let me get really successful. Let me go out there with a chip on my shoulder and prove things to people. And when I get to the top, then I'll uh, I'll take care of all these things. And and in fact, if I get to the top, I'll probably be happier than I am now. That's what I was thinking. Well, I'm here to tell you that if that's you right now, that's a huge mistake. Because in order to truly experience that happiness that you seek, to truly have that emotion of feeling comfortable in your own skin, uh, to really go out there and not care what others think of you is an inside job. It doesn't matter what you accomplish on the outside. It really doesn't because no one really gives a shit at the end of the day. That's just the honest truth. No one understands the work you put in and no one's going to care about the end result. No one cares. In fact, you're the one that cares more about it than anybody else. You're the one that focuses on yourself and your own insecurities more than anyone else. Nobody cares. Well, I didn't know that. I didn't think that way in the beginning. 
that's why we we've heard the statement we can become our own uh, worst critic right we're in our heads and quite frankly this way of thinking will destroy you it will if it hasn't already for some of you guys out there it will absolutely destroy you and i was on the i was really on the verge of that that that's for sure i really was because this was my entire 20s it's how i felt i felt like somebody did uh, an injustice against me i felt like the cards i was dealt was not fair i felt like i'm i'm different than everybody else you know i don't look like most people right um i not only do i obviously I, my skin color is darker than most people in america right <laughs> so you grow up you think something's wrong with you you think something's different and no matter where i went even with my skin color i never felt like i fit I, I i was able to fit in with my own culture i always felt different i always felt like an outcast and that was just a result of things happening to me and um my mother at the time who adopted me i just don't think she had the right information on what to do about it and that's the thing about our parents they do the best jobs that they can of course so this is not a let's blame our parents conversation because it really doesn't matter uh it doesn't matter if they even had some ill intentions against you in the end it really doesn't matter what matters is what are you going to do about it right well i didn't think that way in the beginning and i kept i was focused in the in the mindset of a victim that's where i was emotionally i was playing the victim role this happened to me this person did this to me life's not fair etc 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 so i tell you guys that story because number one i told you these ideas are not mine but number two i've lived this i've been on the other side of hating yourself to the point where you really are depressed and you're just thinking thoughts like why am i even here i've been there before I've been there before where all the relationships I was getting into were toxic because I was toxic with myself. So just know the classic mistake that you want to avoid before we get into this is thinking that you need to wait for things to change on the outside before you address uh, what we're talking about today. So let's first get into chapter 10 here and what we're going to cover is a couple of mistakes or, or observations you may need to th start thinking about first before we get to some steps you should be taking he says it is a well-known psychological fact that the people who become offended the easiest have the lowest self-esteem we are hurt by those things we conceive of as threats to our ego or self-esteem um, if you really think about it, even the real digs and cuts, which inflict a terrible injury to the ego of the person with low self-esteem, do not make a dent in the ego of the person who thinks well of himself. It is the person who feels undeserving, doubts his own capabilities, and has a poor opinion of himself who becomes jealous at the drop of a hat. It is the person who secretly doubts his own worth and who feels insecure with himself, who sees threats to his ego where there are none, who exaggerates and overestimates the potential damage from real threats. 
This is why he ends up saying we all need a certain amount of emotional toughness. We really do. What's happening in today's world, if you guys haven't noticed already, and I actually am in agreement with this. There's a generation full of snowflakes. You say one thing to somebody and they act like, man, I just robbed you and, you know, I, you know, I just I just physically beat you up. That's how some people are reacting today emotionally. Well, he said that on Twitter. He said that on social media. And they allow it to crush their world. They have no emotional strength whatsoever. They're, they're weak as, a, as you could be. Why? Why have we created this generation that feels this way? Because we're not teaching them how to think. We're not. So as I stated, I believe in a couple of shows ago, if you're a parent and you're listening, understand something. Personal development should be mandatory in your house. It should be mandatory for you, for your spouse, and for your kids. Everyone should be learning how to think for themselves. Everyone should be learning how to get emotionally in control. If that's not happening in your house, then you wonder why you have issues. It doesn't have to be that way. But because we've raised a generation where that's not happening, and we've also raised a lot of children with, where there's only one parent, I was one of those, they're definitely not getting the emotional intelligence. You see, I've discovered in my own life what happens. When a son is raised by the mother, the son takes on what? The mother's sensitivity emotionally. The son becomes very emotional or very sensitive emotionally to people's uh, judgments. Uh, they're a little bit more feminine, so to speak. Because they didn't have a father to balance that energy out. So what happens? Well, someone makes a comment and they get upset. They go from zero to 100 really quick. I know this because I used to be this way. And I've seen quite a few kids this way. I've had clients who had children who was this way because they didn't have a father. You see, there was no, as Maxwell Maltz states, Emotional toughness. No emotional toughness. Now, if you're just joining me right now, you don't know what I'm reading. I'm reading Psycho-Cybernetics by Maxwell Maltz. Okay? If you want to get a copy of this book, you can in, in the description of my YouTube uh, channel. Uh, this live video, in the description, you'll see a link to this book. Now, this first point I want to bring out is, is this statement he said. It is well-known psychological fact that the people who become offended the easiest have the lowest self-esteem. They become hurt by those things that they conceive as a threat to their ego or self-esteem. It's really difficult for a child who only has one parent to develop the right amount of self-esteem. They will end up overcompensating for not having the other parent sooner or later. I mean, there's so many things I can, I can get down on this, but I'm just going to tell you this. Children who's the only child 
and only has one parent, their emotional toughness. Oh no, that ain't going down. Um, that's a person who's not going to play well with others. That's a person who's not going to have any patience towards other people. That's a person who's not really going to trust anybody. That's a person who's going to take every little comment personal. Um, yeah, that's exactly what's going to happen. And I'm, I'm bringing up the child aspect because the child becomes an adult. And this may be you in your adult years. So it doesn't matter how it happened. I'm just kind of giving you this understanding of, okay, why is that happening? It's happening because I didn't learn emotional toughness as a child. I wasn't, I, I wasn't taught that. I had to learn that on my own. Now, naturally, it can develop if you have, again, I was stating for men out there, when you have not only your father in the home, but also the mother, because the energies balance out perfectly, right? You have a masculine energy and a feminine energy, and they both work together to develop and produce a child who is emotionally sound. Now, this doesn't always happen because... You can still have two parents who both emotionally are out of control, and that could lead to problems too. But what we're saying generally here is that people, they're already doomed to fail from the get-go because we have this generation today that, one, they're grown up with only one parent, and two, usually that parent is the mother, not the father, and three, no one's teaching the child how to think for themselves. No one's teaching the child about emotional toughness. No one's teaching the child about, hey, just because somebody says something, that doesn't mean anything. No one's teaching people that. Uh, especially my age, too, in my own uh, generation, which is millennials. So we grow up as adults. And how does this impact our lives? Because we go to work and someone makes a comment and we become unproductive because we're allowing them to control how we feel. Then we're walking around with all this negative energy. And then what? We start attracting more bad things to happen. That's what ends up happening. Or maybe you're a leader of a company. You own your own business, but you can't trust nobody. You, you can't trust nobody because you've been on your own ever since. So you're handicapping your, your business. You can't allow it to grow because you're in the way. Or your child can't come to you and tell you what's really going on. Because you haven't taken care of your baggage. Every time they do something wrong, it's like you, you put them on trial. So what happens? They don't want to tell you nothing. They don't trust you. We really have to start thinking, just because things were done a certain way 50 years ago, we might want to rethink if that's really the right thing to do. Look at the results. The results is telling the story today. The results are, are telling the story. And the story is not good, but can change. So the person who feels that their self-worth is threatened by a slighting remark has a small, weak ego and a small amount of self-esteem. Let me read that again. The person who feels... His self-worth is threatened by a slightening remark, has a small, weak ego, and a small amount of self-esteem. 
This person is self-centered, self-concerned, hard to get along with, and what we would call egotistic. But we do not cure a, a sick or weak ego by beating it down, undermining it, or making it even weaker. Uh, the cure for this, uh, this type of self-centeredness, this self-concern, this egotism, and all the ills that go with it, is the, the, is the development of a healthy, strong ego by building up a person's self-esteem. A change in their self-image. Because, let me finish this off. When, or, yeah, here we go. When a person has adequate self-esteem, little slights offer no threat at all. They are simply passed over and ignored. Even deeper emotional wounds are likely to heal faster and cleaner with no festering sores to poison life and spoil happiness. Now, this is where I am today. You know. Somebody would have made a comment to me five years ago. I would have taken it personally. I would have gotten angry. I would have got upset. Um, if this was over the phone or in person, there probably would have been a fight, a screaming match. And after that, I probably would have been holding on to it for months. Maybe even years. Today, I got people all over the world who come into my comments and make comments. Or, or they, they troll the comment section. Um, I've got people I would consider who know me personally. Uh, they know me because of who I used to be. They have their perceptions. They make their comments. But it really doesn't matter to me anymore. Because it, it doesn't. It really does not matter. Because the only opinion that matters is the opinion you have of yourself. That's what matters. When I started realizing that, I'm telling you, Stuff started going out the window. Like this feeling of being out of control emotionally goes out the window when you really start to accept the idea that the only opinion that really matters in the world is your own. Like if you're putting your parents, your grandparents, your kids, your friends, your family, society's opinions before your own, you're in trouble emotionally. You cannot do that. You have to be yourself. You can't be yourself if you're allowing everybody else's opinion to drive the way that you feel. You just can't do it. You cannot do that. So why do people do that? Well, they have no self-reliance. You see, the person who has little or no self-reliance, who feels emotionally dependent on others, makes himself most vulnerable to emotional hurts. Every human being wants and needs love and affection. We all know this. But the creative, self-reliant person also feels a need to give love. Uh, his emphasis is as much or more on the giving as on the getting. He doesn't expect love to be handed to him on a silver platter. Nor does he have a compulsive need that everybody must love him and approve of him. He has a he has sufficient ego security to tolerate the fact that a certain number of people will dislike him and disapprove. He feels some sense of responsibility for his life and conceives of himself primarily as one who acts, determines, gives, goes after what he wants, rather than a person who is the passive recipient of all good things in life. Now, 
let me back up for some for really quick here. The only person you're going to be able to depend on in life is yourself. And the sooner you get around to accepting that, uh, the more confidence you're going to have in you. And the reason why you should already have that confidence is because there's nothing that you can't do in this world. If you truly put your mind to something, you know you can make it happen because you've done it before. So why do we keep feeling like we need people's approval, like we can't make something happen? If you have it in your mind already and it's a dream and you can see it, it's possible. But you got to rely on yourself to a certain extent that, hey, I'm going to show up. I'm gonna, I can do this. I'm worthy of this. There's a reason why I could see it in my mind. There's a reason why I get excited about it when I see it. Because that's who I am. That's what I'm supposed to be doing. But when you don't have any self-reliance, you don't think that way. You, you start thinking, oh, well, let, let me go ask my mom and see what she thinks about this dream. And if she says it's good, then it's got to be good. And I'm going to tell you right now, it's a big, big mistake. Let's talk about this person a little bit more. The passive dependent person turns his entire destiny over to other people, circumstances, luck, Life owes him a living and other people owe him consideration, appreciation, love, and happiness. Get this. He writes, life owes him a living and other people owe him consideration, appreciation, love, and happiness. He makes unreasonable demands and claims on other people and feels cheated, wrong, hurt when they aren't fulfilled. We all know that life isn't built this way, but he keeps on seeking the impossible and leaving himself wide open to emotional hurts and injuries. This is insanity. That's what that is. You keep depending on other people to validate you is insanity. Let me ask for the... Let me say it this way. If you are a person who's been seeking validation, when's the last time... That validation actually helped you. Like really helped you long term, permanently. I asked that question because I'm of the belief today that if you're dependent on someone else's validation, it's like you're trying to operate from motivation. That's temporary. You might get excited. You might feel good because they said, oh, yeah, you could do it. But if you cannot do that for yourself, you'll run out. You'll run out of steam. Does the analogy make sense? There's a difference between motivation and a burning desire. Or there's a difference between motivation and obsession. Just like there's a difference between getting validation from someone and validating yourself already knowing your worth. There's a huge difference. One is temporary and the other one is sustainable. One just leaves you open for more disappointment. The other empowers you to keep going. This is why you have to develop a more self-reliant attitude. Assume responsibility for your own life and emotional needs. Try giving affection, love, approval, acceptance, understanding to other people, and you will find them coming back to you 
as a sort of reflex action. This is, you know, for every action in the universe is an opposite and reaction. When we give the impression of in increase towards other people, meaning when people come into contact with us, we leave them better off than we found them. That's exactly what will happen to us. But you can't give something to someone you don't have. So if you're not increasing yourself, if you're not loving yourself, right, if you're not good with yourself, how are you truly going to be good with others? You know, it's really interesting if you think about it, what's more important than money? People. See, the money's always here. But what about the people in your life? What about that? What about you? So, there's one more thing I want to read. And this is in a form of a question that he asked. Have you ever noticed how easy it is to get your feelings hurt or take offense when you are suffering tensions brought about by frustrating uh, fear, anger, or depression? We go to work feeling all out of sorts or down in the dumps because of some adverse experience that we had in the past. A friend comes by and makes a joking remark, nine times out of ten we would laugh, think it's funny, think nothing about it, and make a uh, good crack in return, but not today. Today we are suffering tensions of self-doubt, insecurity, anxiety. We take the remark in the wrong way, become offended and hurt, and an, and an emotional scar begins to form. This simple everyday experience illustrates very well the principle that we are injured and hurt emotionally, not so much by other people, and especially not because of what they said or did, but by our own attitude, which means our own response of that situation. This is so true because my response to my childhood sums that up. I became emotionally injured and hurt because of the way that I responded uh, about my, my childhood, my past. I took everything the wrong way. I took my parents being drug addicts the wrong way. I took uh, being molested the wrong way. I took being bullied the wrong way. I took never fitting in the wrong way. I just took it all the wrong way. Now, I take it the right way today, of course. <laughs> and I would tell you, it's got everything to do with what we're reading today. But I really did take it the wrong way. And that means you might be taking it the wrong way. We all have the same mind. It works the same way. So although I'm telling my story, I'm really telling your story. You may have some experiences just like this. Or experiences that has resulted in the same outcomes that I'm sharing with you today. Because when we feel hurt or feel offended, the feeling is entirely a matter of our own response. In fact, the feeling is our response. That's why we say no one can make you think something you don't want to think. You choose to get mad. You choose to think that it's negative. And a lot of that is through habit. If you develop the habit, when someone says a particular word to get upset, and even if they were saying that word jokingly, sometimes they're saying that word as a compliment, 
you won't see it that way because you've already developed a habit through your perception. This means negative. And um, I can relate to that so much. How about you guys? Can you guys relate to that? Let me know. Where are we at right now? Who do we have watching? Let me know if I'm on, on to something today. You see, you're not broken. Okay. There's nothing really wrong with you. Your mind is working the way that it's supposed to work. What you have to bring your attention to is first you need to educate yourself about the way your mind works. You have to educate yourself on what it means to have a self-image. What it means to have an emotional facelift. Because through that education, you're going to start understanding how to also use your mind, but to remove these emotional scars, which opens the door for you to express this perfection you have inside. That's the way I see it. That's the way I see it. When we let me read this again. I I think I've had quite a few shows about this responsibility. Excuse me. When we feel hurt or feel offended, the feeling is entirely a matter of our own response. In fact, the feeling is our response. It is our own response that we have to be concerned about, not other people's. We can tighten up, become angry, anxious, or resentful and feel hurt. Or we can make no response, remain relaxed, and feel no hurt. Scientific experiments have shown that it is absolutely impossible to feel fear, anger, anxiety, or negative emotions of any kind while the muscles of the body are kept perfectly relaxed. We have to do something to feel fear, anger, anxiety. No man is hurt but a but by himself. Thoughts cause feelings. That's what he's saying. Thoughts cause feelings. So if he's saying that we can respond in a way that we're relaxed, we don't feel any hurt, goes in one ear and out the other, what he's really speaking to is your mental faculties. Imagination, will, reason, intuition, perception. What's your perception when someone does make a negative remark towards you? Is your perception all about you and how it offends you? Or is it more like, man, that person must be hurting. I send my love. I hope, I hope they figure it out. Or this, this really has nothing to do with me. This is them. Do you use your reason to reject the hurtful words that they said? Now, guys, understand something. I'm not a robot, and neither are you. Sometimes someone's going to say something, and you'll get triggered. 
But as you work through this material, that's not going to happen very often. Today, it really doesn't happen to me. But that happens because of the repetition of going through this. Now, let me say something else for the people in the back. You're listening to a guy who people would say is the most sensitive. I am a Pisces, and we're supposed to be the most sensitive people. And people say that not because it's true, but because that's what everybody says. Because if we really take a step back and observe people's behavior, we're all just as sensitive. We all just express it differently. But we're all sensitive. We're all emotional. We're all sensitive to something. The trick to what we're learning here today is to find out what you're so sensitive about and get rid of that because it's only hurting you. And to really start taking control of your emotions, of your emotions, because when you do that, you're going to give yourself an emotional facelift. I think that makes total sense. Because you alone are responsible for your own responses and reactions. You do not have to respond at all. You can choose to remain relaxed and free from injuring yourself emotionally. Now, how do we do that? How do we do that? How do we start giving ourselves this emotional facelift? How do, how do we do that? That's what we're going to talk about right now. But before we talk about it, let's check in with you guys. Let's check in with you guys. MG Frazier on YouTube says, I'm a single child with a mom. Seems accurate to me. I know, my friend. I know. It's, it's, I think it's common sense. I just think people are, people are not making the right decisions. It's because they, one, are not educated. They don't have the right information. And two, they're programmed. You know, why do we have so many people in the world who are so sensitive? Who just say one thing and their feelings get hurt. They're being raised in a society where they are not taught emotional intelligence. They're not taught self-worth. That's not what they're taught. They're not taught what we're speaking about today and what we're learning today. That's not what they're taught. And their parents definitely don't know it or parent. Um, so what happens? Uh, they become very emotionally weak. This is why we see this whole, uh, this is another pandemic in and of itself, this whole wave of depression with younger adults, because they, they, don't, they don't know how to think. They don't understand what's happening in their mind. Uh, they don't know how to respond. See, the one thing about children, they, they lack experience, but their mind works the same way. What we have to do as adults is stop being so ignorant when it comes to children. They have the same mind that you do. The difference 
is they don't have experience. So when they go to school and someone makes a negative remark to them, they have no experience to draw on. They just accept it. Unless you've been telling them and teaching them about how to think for themselves. Now, for the average person out there, they're not doing that. Especially as a single parent. You're, you're out there working, sacrificing, trying to keep the lights on. And the other thing is, if you're not even doing that for yourself, I know it's not happening for kids because the results say it. And so this child, this kid, just accepts it. And they conclude the response is, oh, I, I must be less. I, I, I must, I'm, I'm not worthy. And then they go home and they almost get the same energy from their parent. And the reality is they just start taking on the wrong ideas. And they draw the wrong conclusions and they develop the habit of, of, of developing this wrong perception of life. This is what happens. Now, this seems to be a conversation that most people don't really want to have, but this is the conversation we should have as a society. We got to start calling parents out. We got to, we got to start calling people out who think, you know what, uh, I'm going to choose to have a kid and not be married. You're setting your kid up to fail. That's what you're doing. And me, I'll be honest. I'm a little bit more passionate about that topic because I was a single child. And if you think for a second, the best solution is to have a child with one parent my friend, you're ignorant. I'll just tell you that right now. Just straight up. It's, it, it takes two people for a reason. And not just any two people. It takes a person who's working on themselves so then they can give that to their child. I'm circling back on this because it answers... The question on both ends. What's happening with our children, our teenagers, our young adults, and what's happening to you now as an adult? It's a result of what's happened in the homes. It's a result of not having the right information. Uh, it's a result of not taking responsibility. As a community, as a culture. As humans. So, you know, some people aren't ready for that, but that's what the results say. You can't argue with the results because they always tell the story. And um, I believe I have the authority to speak on this because I was a, a single child. My, I had parents who were drug addicts. Any type of negative self-doubt or self-doubt that I had, oh, I had them. Any feelings of unworthiness, I had that. Guilt, shame, embarrassment, all of it. Feeling less than others, I know. I know all about it. And here's what I did about it, and here's what you should do about it. 
Old emotional scars cannot be doctored or medicated. They cannot be given pills or symptom-driven approaches. They must be cut out, given up entirely, and eradicated. Many people apply various kinds of, he in his terminology, um, shortcuts to old emotional wounds, but this simply does not work. They may self-righteously forego, uh, you know, physical revenge, yet take it out or get even in many subtle ways. What he's saying is when we've been hurt, what people will commonly do is they may say they forgive the other person, but they haven't forgotten. And what they'll do is develop this subtle way of revenge. A typical example is the wife who discovers her husband's infidelity. Now, you guys are going to want to listen to this. So I want you to apply this story to yourself. Not just infidelity, if that happened to you, but anything, infidelity, uh, someone stabbed you in the back, um, somewhere along the line, um, someone talked down on you, whatever it is. The wife who discovers her husband's infidelity on the advice of her minister or psychiatrist, she agrees she should forgive him. Accordingly, she does not shoot him. She does not leave him. In all her behavior, she is cold towards him, really. She does not, uh, uh, again, she doesn't get aggressive with him anymore. She prepares his meals well and so on. But she makes his life hell on earth in many subtle ways by the coldness of her heart and by flaunting her moral superiority. When he complains, her answer is, well, dear, I did forgive you, but I cannot forget. Here's the mistake that she's making. Her very forgiveness becomes a thorn in his side because she is conscious of the fact that it is proof of her moral superiority. She would have been more kind to him and been a happier version of herself had she refused this type of forgiveness and just left him entirely. Now, we say that story because... Some of you guys are still holding on to what someone did to you. You haven't forgiven. You think you've forgiven, but not emotionally. You're still trying to get even in so many different ways. You're still hurting yourself. There's no shortcuts to this. If you feel somebody did something that wrong to you, um, and I'm going to get into why that is. And again, this is a conversation some people are not ready for, but I trust that you are. Let, let me just, let, let's not delay this. Let, let me get it. Let me get into this. I can forgive, but I cannot forget is only another way of saying I will not forgive. Forgiveness ought to be like a canceled loan torn into and burnt up so that it never can be shown against anyone or held liable. Forgiveness, when it is real and genuine and complete and forgotten, it is the scalpel that can remove the pus from old emotional wounds, heal them, and eliminate scar tissue. Forgiveness that is partial or half-hearted works no better than a partial completed surgery. Uh, pretended forgiveness, which is entered into as a duty, is no more effective than a simulated facial surgery. Let me speak on this really quick. 
the the gentleman who wrote this book is a plastic surgeon or was a plastic surgeon. Okay, Doctor Maxwell Maltz. Now I want you guys to think about something. I want you to think about the time that you injured yourself. And if you've never injured yourself, think about someone who did that you may know of. Let's say they injured their knee. And they tore their tendons in their knee and their knee's swollen and it's got all this, this pus in it and, and all these things, right? It's bruised up. There's bruising on the skin. You can see all of it. And... Um, you go into the doctor and the doctor halfway does, they, they half-ass the surgery. Well, what do you think the results are going to be? Not only is that person not going to heal properly, but they'll just re-injure themselves. Now it's even worse. This is what people are doing emotionally. See, they don't really truly forgive. They're still holding on to the past. They haven't let go yet. And when you make an attempt to let go, but you really don't go all in on it, well, it comes back on you harder than it was before. So what we're talking about, I wouldn't take lightly. If you know you're that person walking around with those emotional scars from the past, you got to make a committed decision. You're going to let those go. Because if not, well, you're going to be walking around handicapped emotionally. That's exactly what's going to happen, if not already, if it hasn't already happened. And when you're handicapped emotionally, and I know I have a lot of parents who are listening, when you're handicapped emotionally, what are you going to do to your kids? If you're handicapped emotionally, what are you going to do to your spouse? I, I, I think we, I think you get what I'm saying here. So your forgiveness should be forgotten as well as the wrong which was forgiven. Forgiveness that is remembered and dwelt upon reinfects the wound you are attempting to cure. If you're too proud of your forgiveness or remember it too much, you're very apt to feel that the other person owes you something for forgiving them. You forgive them, but in doing so, they, well, the way he writes it is, you forgive them for one debt, but in doing so, he incurs another. You see, nobody, the, there, nobody wins in that. You're either going to forgive them or you won't. And just because just you say you forgive doesn't mean you did. And by the way, here's the punchline. Here's the punchline while I was reading all that to you. Because some of you guys, this is you against you. You haven't forgiven yourself. Right? You're, you're like, oh, I forgive myself. But then tomorrow you're already holding something else over your head. You're too busy looking in the past at mistakes. And you have the wrong perception about those mistakes. Instead of calling them mistakes, call them lessons. Call them lessons. That's what I did. It's exactly what I did. 
You see, therapeutic forgiveness is not difficult. The only difficulty is to secure your own willingness to give up and do without your sense of uh, condemnation. Your willingness to cancel out a debt with no mental reservations. We find it difficult to forgive only because we like our sense of condemnation. We get a perverse and, or he said this, this way, we get enjoyment out of nursing our wounds. As long as we can condemn another person, we can feel superior to them. And this is the same thing for yourself. It's almost some of you guys get off on hurting yourself. It, it, it's really toxic. I had a show where I called, where I named it, Are You Toxic Towards Yourself? I think I've said enough to this point. I think I've said a lot up to this point. I really want you guys to think about what, what we've said so far. And I think you've got to go back and reread this again. What's the point so far? If you want to be able to walk into a room and be able to have healthy communications with people and build healthy relationships and to truly experience a life of happiness and fulfillment, uh, these emotional scars that you have, they, they've got to go. They have to go. If you want to be able to effectively communicate with your child and get the most out of them, you got to let your emotional scars go. Because these emotional scars really do handicap us from our success. Remember, it's your emotional mind that controls your behavior. So, responsibility is, on, is in order. Looking yourself in the mirror. You have to take responsibility. Um, you have to really be focused on what it is that you want. And if you have a burning desire for what you want, you'll, you'll do the work, of course. Now, what's the work you really want to do? What, how do you know you've forgiven and you're in the right place? I want to read this to you. This is really good. You cannot forgive a person unless you have first condemned them. Think about that. You cannot forgive a person unless you first have condemned them. So if you don't condemn somebody in the first place, meaning if you don't judge anybody in the first place, if you don't take it personal in the first place, there's nothing to forgive. I really hope you wrote that down. I really thought about or thinking about what I'm saying. If you don't condemn somebody and you don't judge and you don't look, take anything personal, there's nothing to forgive. You don't even have to go through this process. You can bypass it altogether by bypassing someone's actions towards you. You see, 
you and I must see, um, or let me rephrase it this way. Um, when we hate another person because of their mistakes, we will condemn them or classify them as a certain type of person. What we are really doing is we're confusing this person with their behavior. The problem with this is their behavior is really not who they are. You will be far more happier, healthier, and attain more peace of mind when you start seeing things from this point of view. That's why uh, true forgiveness is always the best option. Now, let me expand on exactly how you would do that. We do not need to take an emotional position one way or the other regarding uh, mistakes from our past. The important thing is our present direction and our present goal. Now, what does that really mean? When I said we do not want to confuse someone's behavior with who they really are, it applies to yourself. You do not want to confuse the mistakes you made in your past as uh your identity. One of the biggest mistakes we can make is to confuse our behavior with ourselves. To conclude that because we did a certain act, it characterizes as a certain type of person. It clarifies thinking if we can see that mistakes involve something we do, they refer to actions. And to be realistic, we should use verbs denoting actions rather than nouns denoting a state of being and describe them. For example, to say I failed, which is using a verb, is but to recognize a error and can help lead to future success. But to say I'm a failure is a noun, does not describe what you did, but what you think that the mistake did to you. This does not contribute to learning, but tends to fixate the mistake and make it permanent. This has been proved over and over in clinical psychology, psychological experiences, uh, experiments. We seem to recognize that all children, when they learn to walk, will occasionally fall. We will say words like, oh, they fell or they stumbled, but we don't say words like, they are a faller, they are a stumbler. Does that make sense? Let's talk about that in another show. The words that you use to describe yourself, to describe your life. Just because something didn't work out in the past, just because you made a mistake in the past, does not define your identity and your self-worth today. It's two separate things. Two separate things. That you should not allow what happened in the past to, to define you. That's what I was doing. I was allowing what happened to me to control my identity and my self-worth. I was handicapping my success. There's a lot of work that you have to do. And it's work that will take the rest of your life. So you might as well get around to doing it today and stop delaying it. You might as well get it out of the way. So you can live a happy life. 
some people say, well, Devori, it's, it's hard to go after what I want. This goal, this dream I have for myself, it seems impossible. It's hard. My response to that is life is really hard when you're living with emotional scars all day long and you're allowing your past to control you. I would say life is hard then. I would say life is hard then. And I know that because that's how my, my life used to be. And it's not that way anymore because I gave myself an emotional facelift. I exercised true forgiveness. I had to forgive these people for what they did. I had to. I had to I had to get myself to a place emotionally where I don't look at it as a mistake that was done against me. I had to, I have I just don't anymore. I look at it as a blessing. My question for you is are you doing the same? Are you doing the same for yourself? Why do you feel like you're not enough? Well, it's what we've been reading in the book. A lot of emotional scars. Somewhere along the line, someone told you you weren't enough. That's what you accepted. It's a negative idea. Uh, it's not true. And you really got to start to get rid of that. You have to. Now, what are some practical things that you could be doing to give yourself an emotional facelift? Number one is you have to start understanding who you really are. You are not a body. You live in a body. You're not your brain. Uh, you're not your fingernails. You're not even your name. You've been giving these things. You're a spiritual being. Some people would say that you're a soul. Some people say your energy, call it whatever you want. But we know by now in 2022, there's more than just this skin and bones. We know this. And if you don't know it, you want to start studying this. Excuse me. Because... When you truly start to realize that you're made spiritually perfect in God's image, you'll stop making everything that you've physically done, um, you'll stop allowing that to dictate who you really are and your worth and your identity. I see the good in you because I see the good in myself. You can't do that if you don't see the good in yourself. You can't see the good in life. You can't see the good in other people. You can't see the good in these possibilities if you don't see it in yourself first. And to see it in yourself first means you finally are realizing that you're a spiritual being. You live in a physical body. You've been given an intellect. This intellect is what allows the spiritual side of you to express itself through your physical body and this world. That's what's taking place. That's number one. 
is really spending time understanding that. And there are plenty of books who go more into depth about that. But the bottom line is, you're more than what has happened to you. Um, You're not these negative thoughts. You're not the mistakes. That's not who you are. So that's number one. Number two is you're going to have to get your emotional, well, let's see what he calls it, right? He has a certain term in the book that he used, and I want to use his term because I think he said it best. You want to get your emotional toughness up. That's what you want to do. Well, how does that happen? Well, once you start understanding who you really are, that means you're going to start under understanding what you're really worth and what you're capable of doing. And you also are going to start understanding the truth. And the truth of the matter is when people come up to you and say or do things that are disrespectful, what that what's really happening has nothing to do with you. It's got everything to do with them. They're hurting on the inside. And the only way they know how to express that hurt is to project it onto someone else. I wouldn't even say that's emotional toughness. I would just say that's emotional intelligence. You know, you guys would be shocked at how many people dislike the podcast. I have people who watch on Facebook, YouTube, TikTok. People actually dislike this. They hit the dislike button. That's got nothing to do with me. In fact, what does it say about a person who wakes up in the morning, hears something positive, and dislikes it? That's a person who's living in pain. That's a person who hates the world. Why? Because they hate themselves. So why should I take their pain and put it on my Shoulders. Why do that? That's not my problem. That's their problem. That's their problem. Now, if something doesn't resonate with you, you wouldn't like it or dislike it. You just scroll by. You just move on. But when someone actually takes the time to dislike what you're doing, whether it's on social media, in person, when someone takes the time to make a negative comment towards something that you're doing, You have to understand something. It's got nothing to do with you. It wouldn't matter if it was you or the next person. They were going to do that regardless. They're hurting inside. And they need someone to take it out on. So this practical thing that we must do is really get our emotional intelligence up. We need to understand that we should not take things personal. And that if we get triggered and we do take it personal, that's feedback telling us that there's something inside of us that needs to be resolved. For the parents in the room, if someone walked up to you and said, your kid is stupid, are you going to take that personal? Majority of you are going to laugh. You're going to be like, okay, whatever. Because you know the truth. You're confident that Your child is not stupid. So when someone says things like that, you're like, whatever about it. 
Now, if you're getting triggered, like they physically beat up your child, well, there's some work that needs to be done. Because you're allowing someone else to control the way that you feel. That's not what you want to do. You want to live from the inside out. So number one, you have to start studying who you really are. You have to start understanding this. And I, I, I can't give you the understanding in five minutes. You've got to make the time out every single day to study personal development. When you do that, in time, you'll start realizing your own potential. You'll start seeing and feeling this worth that you have. You'll start really understanding this infinite potential that you possess. When you truly start accepting that, you're not allowing what happened in, in the past to dictate your worth today. And the perception and the stories about your past will change. You'll start seeing the good in what has happened instead of the negative. Secondly, this leads to a greater level of emotional intelligence. Some people, if we keep this very simple, it's called tough skin. You see, to have tough skin means you're not focused on yourself like that. You know who you are. You know you're good. You don't need anybody's validation or approval. And you definitely don't care for other people's criticism against you. They don't mean anything. You see, if you allowed every criticism and every judgment and every opinion to make every decision you make, you'll never be yourself. You'll be all over the place. I guarantee that will lead a person to depression. You, you don't, you're not looking for people's opinions or approval. And you don't care for other people's criticism because it doesn't help you. doesn't serve you. doesn't help you get to where you want to go. So what's number three? Well, one of the things that I've always recommended people to do is something called mirror work. Where you look in the mirror and you start telling yourself what you want to believe about yourself. How you want to feel about yourself. That you look in the mirror and you say the words, I love you. Or you say what your name is and then you say the words, I love you. You are strong. You are worthy. You are beautiful. You are enough. And you repeat these things to yourself every day. And you keep going until it becomes who you are. Now I can give you that practical exercise to do. But I'm not naive to the fact that some of you guys are still not going to do it. And you know what? That's okay. Because you might need more time. Maybe you're not there yet emotionally where you're fed up with the way you've been treating yourself. So maybe a couple more things need to happen and then you'll wake up and say, all right, I'm, I'm ready to do this. I want to do this. This is why the first principle in Think and Grow Rich is on desire. 
You must want to change if you want to experience it. You're just not going to experience change randomly. You're only going to get these results because you want to. And the want has to be so strong that someone would have to kill you to stop you from getting them. That's how it's been for me. I'm obsessed with getting better every single day. I'm obsessed with helping you get what you want in your life. Someone would have to kill me to stop me. That's the burning desire that I have inside. I wouldn't be able to do this show Monday through Friday if I didn't have a burning desire. I'll just tell you that straight up. To do a show every morning, uh, to coach people every day, to produce all the content that I'm producing, I wouldn't... No one does that if they don't have a burning desire. So when you're sitting there thinking, man, how could this person be showing up this way so much? Or how could this person be so consistent? How, how do they have all this energy? They have a burning desire for what they want. The question is, do you have a burning desire? And if you don't, how do you get it? Well, that was in another show, but I'll just tell you uh, briefly here is you got to feed it. You got to keep thinking about what it is that you want. You got to keep fantasizing about it. You got to keep thinking why it can happen for you. You got to see it. And as simple as I as I make that sound, that's exactly what happens to everyone who has a burning desire. They start thinking about it and thinking about it and obsessing over it and seeing it and playing it over in their mind. I've just been obsessing over the fact that every day someone listens to this and their life changes and they tell me about it. And that's exactly what has happened. I have people every day telling me how big of a difference this show has made in their life. Because that's what I think about. I think about all the people around the world who are going to benefit from this. I'm just so obsessed. And we're just getting started. And I'm I'm going to do whatever is required to get this information out there. We got something big that we're doing right now. And if you're following me on TikTok, you're about to witness you're you're about to witness some crazy stuff because we're obsessed. We want people to have this information. We want people to succeed in life. They're not going to do that if they don't have the right information. So we're going to make sure they get the right information. Are you this obsessed with what you got going on? You know, to be at that level of obsession, you got to take care of these emotional scars because they will handicap you. They will cause you to self-sabotage your dream. They will cause you to self-doubt. And that's the last thing you need. You just got to take care of this. Because how else are you supposed to become this person you know you are if you've got this baggage standing in front of you? You got to let it go. 
The time is now to let that go. And it may not be for you right now, like I stated earlier, but sooner or later, you got to make a decision to just do it, to just do it. And every day I'm talking with someone about purpose. And I'm just totally convinced at this point that if you're not willing to go all in on you, you're never going to be happy. You're never really going to get what you want. You're going to settle. You're going to self-sabotage. You, you have to go all in on you and your development. Because what's happening on the inside will always reflect what happens on the outside. You have to go all in. You got to get yourself to an emotional point where nothing really impacts you. You're even kill, as they may say. Whether something great or something terrible happens, it really doesn't bother you. Because you know what the truth is. You know that everything just is, and it's your thinking that makes it good or bad. You start to understand that, which means you're driving what your emotions will be. Emotional facelift. I don't think we could talk about this topic enough. I don't, I don't even think I talked about it enough. We could keep going, but I want to move on to some comments and some questions that we've been getting uh, in the, on TikTok here. So if you guys have been liking the show, you already know what to do. Double tap the screen for the people on TikTok. Get the likes up. And if you're watching on YouTube... Hit the like button. All right, let's bring TikTok on the full screen here. All right. Okay, let's see. We got a lot of comments. Ready, coach. <laughs> Good to see you, Kim. Uh, I need help controlling my anger and resentment towards my partner for infidelity. I need a change in heart in the name of Jesus. Yeah, I mean, I read it today. Um, you really have to evaluate what you want in the end. Do you want to still have the marriage or do you not? I think that's an, the, the, the number one question is, what do you really want in the end? Like the, the ending result, the outcome. Because that's where you have to start. Don't start what happened yesterday. Start with, well, where do I want to end up? Where do I want to end up? And then base your decision making on that. But yeah, controlling your anger and resentment, that means you haven't forgiven the person. And it's not going to happen overnight, obviously. And, and I didn't say that because, you know, I think that's abundantly clear. But 
It's an inside job for sure. Is it is also important to identify their patterns. Why do they not feel worthy? How were they treated? Yep. Yeah. Well, you see, uh, Brittany underscore to Queen 85, you probably did not really listen to what I was saying. I said, generally speaking, when a son is raised by his mother, he takes on the feminine qualities, meaning they're more likely to be sensitive emotionally to things because that's how women are. They are more emotional than men. This is a scientific fact. There's nothing to disagree about. And just because you may know women who choose to mask their emotions, they are still emotional. They're just expressing it differently or they're holding it in. Yep. In my opinion, similar to the left and the right of politics, you need both also can be seen in the Bible. That's why there's a law of polarity. There's an opposite to everything. They both require each other. You can't have negative without positive. You can't have positive without negative. <laughs> I, I think what, what happened is over time, you know, through the ignorance of people, people who want to make money, people who want to create a movement, people who want to create narratives, through their own ignorance, they don't really see the damage they've done to people. And really, it's not even their fault. I mean, it's other people's fault for buying into things that don't add up. And there's been this whole thing recently, especially in America, where you could do it by yourself. You don't need any help. And you know what's funny? Is this is not only happening with women, but this has been happening with men for quite some time. There's a day that a man grows up and finally realizes I cannot do it by myself. It does not matter how strong I am, how aggressive, how confident, how assertive I am. I cannot be successful by myself. I'm going to need to work with people. But when we have emotional scars where we've been, people have made mistakes against us, where people have done things that cause us not to trust other people. We're going to be operating in a position of independence. We won't be interdependent. And again, this is a conversation where people don't have to agree. I don't really care. Look at your results. Look at the results, not only of yourself, but your family, your community, your culture. What does that say? And we'll see that... Um, we really have to start thinking for ourselves. We used to have a saying in the military, don't be an individual. Don't be an individual. 
An individual is someone who chooses to do things on their own and no longer works in harmony with the team. That's an individual. An individual gets people killed on the battlefield. An individual uh, will contribute to mistakes that are made during a mission. If you don't follow orders and you don't work with the team, you're going to get people hurt. That's exactly not only our what that's that's exactly what is happening in our communities. This is exactly what is happening in the world. We have people who are believing I should just be an individual. And that's going to really get the results. And it doesn't. Because I can guarantee you one thing. It does not matter how many letters are at the end of your name. It does not matter what car that you drive or what home that you live in. How rich are you when it comes to your relationships? How secure do you feel in yourself? How much validation are you depending on? It's a, it's a genuine question. There's also another term we'd use in the military called blue falcon. Don't be a blue falcon. Or actually, they don't. First, the first warning that they give you is don't be an individual. If you disregard that warning and you become an individual and you do your own thing, then they label you a blue falcon and everybody knows it. A blue falcon is a person that really does get people hurt. And when you're out there trying to do it yourself, everything in your life, from relationships to business to career to family, you're a blue falcon. You're harming people around you because you think you can only do it yourself. And you know what's funny? Whether you believe in religion or not, religion will tell you we can't do it ourselves. And if you don't believe in religion, look at our history as a society, as humans. We didn't get here by people being individuals. People had help. They had help. So, you know, don't be a blue falcon. That's what I'll say. That's what we have to really start educating younger people is don't be a blue falcon. There are people here on earth that their purpose is to help you. It's to work with you. But you got to put yourself in a position to work with them emotionally. You're walking around with emotional scars. You'll be a blue falcon. You'll get people killed emotionally. And the real big issue here and why I'm hammering this home is because some of these individuals are parents. The parent is a blue falcon. They're emotionally damaging their child. That's exactly what is taking place. And I hope for some people out there, this did trigger you because I was on the other side of that. And I have a lot of associates. I had a lot of clients. I've had a lot of people over the years in the military who grew up just like I did. We all say the same thing. Don't be a blue falcon. What books do you read? Uh, I read uh, quite a few, but I would say the number one book that I read would be Think and Go Rich. 
the science of getting rich by Wallace D. Waddles. Um, I was just reading this today. Psycho cybernetics. Just depends. Depends on the topic. Um, but if I had to tell you my, my top three books, cause I like the power of three, right? Power of Awareness by Neville Goddard. Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. The Science of Getting Rich by Wallace D. Waddles. I just can't get enough of those three books. My Power of Awareness is right here. And my Think and Grow Rich, Science of Getting Rich is over here. I love those books. Let's see here. What's the right way to take abuse? I think you're going to have to reframe that question. Yeah. I I don't know what you mean by that, but if if you're let's just say this out loud, if anyone who's listening is experiencing abuse, you need to do something about that. Uh, I wouldn't delay. So I, I, if you could clarify that, that'd be great. Um, listen, I think it's better said this way. If you find yourself in an abusive situation, number one, you need to look in the mirror first. You have to look in the mirror first. You have to look in the mirror first. Sorry about that. Someone was calling me. Um, you have to look in the mirror first. Then you have to decide on what you want. And if the person you're with isn't willing to change, then you need to move on. I think it's as simple as that. First, take responsibility, then get clear on exactly the outcome that you want to that that you want to have, and then the third thing is to see if they're if they're in harmony with that outcome, if they want the same thing, and if they don't want the same thing and they're not willing to do the work, then you're working you're in you're in a relationship with someone who you're no longer in harmony with. You got to move on. Uh, let's see here. What you're saying is the truth. I can relate to everything you're saying. Thank you guys. Yeah, I think people answered it already for mama love 88. Um, one of the biggest things that I did 
And if I didn't, again, I, I think I said this previously, if I was not a coach um, and I did not have a podcast, I wouldn't really talk about it because there's no reason to talk about it because it's forgiven, you know, I'm at peace. It's all good. Um, but I have to share it because I, I'm, I want people to understand how to get from a place of being abused or having that type of pain and getting onto the other side of it. So one of the things that I did when I was sexually abused as a child, um, as an adult, excuse me, as an adult, what did I do? How did I get over that was changed my perception of it. So I was, remember, when something happens in our life, when we're not educated and we don't have the right information, we're more likely to respond with ignorance and draw conclusions that are negative. When we have the understanding of who we really are, the conclusions are positive. Well, when you're a kid, because you lack experience, you don't have any knowledge to really draw on. So something bad happens like abuse automatically negative and the negative really isn't on that person the negative is on you you start blaming yourself feel guilty ashamed things like that so what i had to do was go back and change the story change the conclusion to oh this is not my fault oh this is not god punishing me um to hey this is a person who's hurt, who's programmed. That's why he's doing that. Um, this is uh, a person who is an example of what you should not do. Uh, this is a person who was never really given a fair opportunity at life. If, you, if I really think about the way he grew up, he was doomed from the start. Um, and when I have that understanding, what have I done? I've taken the focus off of me and I put the focus on him and I've said, you know what? There's nothing but compassion. Because no one wakes up in the morning looking to do that to people. And if those, there are individuals, let me say it a different way. A average person does not wake up in the morning looking to do something like that. If they end up doing something like that, it's because there's something in their mind already. They, it happened to them. Now, the people who are actively looking to do that, they, there's some screws are loose there, right? These are people who should be removed from society, I believe. But I digress. Um, I changed the story. And that also allowed me to forgive myself and let it go and forgive him and forgive my family. Because, see, when something like that happens, not only do you get upset at yourself and that person, then you start getting upset with everybody else that allowed it to happen. Well, you're, if, here's, here's the bottom line. I asked myself a very important question. I said, how can I be the father that I want to be if I do not let this go? How can I be the husband I want to be if I do not let this go? How can I be the coach that I want to be if I do not let this go? You see how the math, it just won't add up if I was still holding on to that. How, what, what would give me the right to come on here and tell you to forgive if I haven't done it myself?
doesn't work. And I think that was the last, that was like the last straw right there. That question right there was like, yep, no brainer. Just do it. Just let it go. It's good. And it feels great. Feels great. It's weird not everyone is abused. Why are some people so victimized? Well, um, people are abused in different ways. If you notice through the topic today, I'm talking about people being abused emotionally. You don't have to be abused physically. You can be abused emotionally as a child and as an adult because you don't know any better. That's how. I mean, this question sounds as if you're probably not aware of how ignorant people really are. What we're talking about today, I would say, and I think I'm being really optimistic here. I think less than 10% of people even know about this book. There's almost 7 billion people in the world. I would say less than 10% know about this book. And I would say 10% of that probably actually read it. And probably 10% of that actually understood it. So just because someone says, oh, I've read that book, that doesn't mean they know it. doesn't mean they understand it. I barely understand it. And I'm the one teaching this to you. I'm saying that because you can't understand this enough. The repetition. This information is so powerful and pushing me along in my healing journey. I'm so grateful to hear that. The page that I was reading from, great question, would be page 160, or excuse me, 170 through 175. Actually, 170 through 177. Get this. Let me read this to you guys. The reason why you have to give yourself an emotional facelift, it is more than a play on words. It opens you up to more life, more vitality, the stuff that youth is made of. You'll feel younger. You'll actually look younger. Many times I've seen a man or a woman apparently grow five or ten years younger in appearance after removing old emotional scars. Look around you. Who are the youthful looking people you know that are over the age of 40? Are they grumpy? Are they resentful? Are they pessimistic? Are they the ones that are soured on the world? Or are these the people who are cheerful, optimistic, good-natured people? The reason why is because carrying a grudge against someone or against life can bring on the old age 
just as much as carrying a heavy weight around your shoulders would. People with emotional scars, grudges, and the like are living in the past, which is a characteristic of old people. The youthful attitude and youthful spirit that erases wrinkles from the soul and the face and puts a sparkle in the eye looks to the future and has a great expectation to look forward to. This is so true because most people who know who knew me when I was in the military, they see me today, I don't even look the same. That's the power of the subconscious mind. When you change what's happening inside your subconscious mind, your physical appearance will change. Your body language will change. The words you use will change. Your perception will change. Everything changes. All I can say is shit checks out. <laughs> Thank you. Guys, this is not my information. So if you're fighting a hard time agreeing with this, you're not disagreeing with me. You're disagreeing with the doctor who was a plastic surgeon who dedicated part of his life to writing a book about this. And this is a, you know, I, I'll just stop. I think you can go look up his resume for yourself. Uh, let's see here. Yeah, you see, being more patient and understanding with your kids is being more patient and understanding with yourself. What do you want to understand about yourself? You have to understand that maybe um, you haven't really been good to yourself. And you're now getting better at that. And that's a process. And the more you're good with yourself, the more you'll be good towards your children. Because you can't give them something you don't have. And you have to be patient because that's a process. That doesn't happen overnight. And this is where I said the burning desire, the obsession to be better, do better. Um, you, you have to feed that. You have to see the possibilities of being this way with your children. What are the possibilities? How? What type of, a, of an adult am I creating you know, what type of person am I helping them become? You know, well, who am I becoming in this process? You've got to get obsessed about that, the process. And I think with children, it's not really hard to do because they mean so much to you. They're, it's an emotional, instant emotional impact. So you keep, you keep doing it no matter what. Um, and, and listen, just because they're kids doesn't mean they don't understand. They just don't have any experience. 
I guarantee you, if you were to read them page 170 through 177 in this book to them, they'll pick up on it faster than adults will. I guarantee it because they don't have any reason not to believe. One of the biggest mistakes that I see with parents, because I've coached quite a few already, is they do not educate their children. They tell their children what to think. They don't teach them how to think. There's a big difference in that. And they do that because that's what was done to them. So as we go through these daily episodes, as you consume the content that I put out there, and maybe you become a client one day, step number one is you got to get yourself right. You got to educate yourself. You got to understand this. So then you could turn around and get your kids to understand. And then when we have people in one home who all understand the material, how different will the culture be? How different will the communication be? How different will the relationship be? It's because both individuals are operating with the right information. They're no longer operating from ignorance. That's the bigger picture here. That's exactly what can happen. And I believe that's what you want to happen. My wife said it best right here. People are more depressed and anxious now more than ever before. And at the same time, we have more resources than any time in history. We have more resources, technology. We have access to things that people didn't 100 years ago. You know, you can get this book on Amazon. Anybody can. Can't get it on Amazon, you can buy it on Audible. You can go on YouTube. I mean, the access is there. The burning desire is what's missing. Excuse me. Exactly. You see, um, our parents are learning lessons for us. You know, we can look at our past and use the lessons from that past to help us move into the future with the right awareness. If you're doing the same thing your parents did, that means you're just repeating the cycle. Better is the word. You should be able to do things better than they did. And I think we all would agree. I think we all agree, agree to that, right? And for the most part, that's exactly what you're doing. Um, and that's not always an easy process, right? Because, you know, we're programmed. And to overcome that programming, again, takes education, takes a burning desire, um, and a committed decision.
And now more than ever, people are so self-conscious. And it's just a mistake. And this is why I say often, I quote the science of getting rich. You have to think your own truth, regardless of appearances. Regardless of the appearances that your children express or display, regardless of the appearances at work, regardless of the appearances in your relationship, you have to focus on thinking your own truth. You have to think about what you want. You got to stop thinking about what you don't want. That's a big mistake. Why? When you think about what you don't want, well, it doesn't feel good. And it just repeats the cycle over and over and over again. So we want to focus on our own truth. I'm so grateful to be a wife before a mom doing things the right now is important these days. Exactly. I always speak positive affirmations to my kids. Yeah, that's amazing. It takes masculine and feminine energy and lifestyles, question mark? Yes. Absolutely. Yep. It does. There's a book on it. Our bodies do keep score. Yeah, people do have a habit of not forgiving. They they hold on and they're only hurting themselves. Self-afflicted pain, so to speak. You know, let's read it one more time because I, I kind of get the feeling some people need to hear it one more time. I'm just going to read a short piece of it. Thank you for the poll. Let's read this. It's titled, Forgiveness is a scalpel that removes emotional scars. Now, before I read it, let me give you some context really quick. If someone picked up a knife and stabbed you, you're going to develop a scar tissue uh, immediately. Almost. But when a doctor cuts you open, it's with a different technique. I'm going to read that, but I want to give you, I'm going to warm you up to that really quick. Forgiveness is a scalpel that removes emotional scars. I can forgive, but I cannot forget is another way of saying I will not forgive. Forgiveness ought to be like canceling a note, torn in two and burned up so that it can never be shown against anyone. Forgiveness, when it is real and genuine and complete, and forgotten is the scalpel that can remove the pus from an old emotional wound, heal them, and eliminate scar tissue. Forgiveness that is partial or half-hearted works no better than a partially completed surgical operation. Pretended forgiveness, which is entered into as a duty, is no more effective than a simulated facial surgery. 
Now, let me go to the part that I was talking about here. There we go. Uh, is a part that he really brings home. I didn't read it during the main topic, but I want to go back to it. I think it's right here in the beginning of the chapter. There we go. All right. Many people who have inner emotional scars have never suffered physical injuries. And the result on personality is the same. These people have been hurt or injured by someone in the past. To guard against future injury from that source, they form a spiritual callus, an emotional scar to protect their ego. This scar tissue, however, not only protects them from the individual who originally hurt them, it protects them against all other human beings. An emotional wall is built through which neither friend nor foe can pass through. An emotional wall is built through which neither friend nor foe can pass through. A woman who has been hurt by one man takes a vow never to trust another man again. A child who had his ego sliced up by a cruel parent or teacher or student may take a vow never to trust any authority in the future. A man who has had his love rejected by one woman may take a vow never to become emotionally involved with another human being in the future. As in the case of a facial scar, excess of protection against the original source of injury can make us more vulnerable and do us even more damage in other areas. The emotional wall that we build as protection against one person cuts us off from all other human beings and from our real selves. As we have pointed out previously, the person who feels lonely or out of touch with other human beings also feels out of touch with their real self and with their life. Now, how does that how did that get there? It's what we were talking about today. It's what we were talking about. If you guys don't understand the concept of scar tissue, I guess I should at least read this. When you receive a physical injury, such as a cut on your face, your body will form scar tissue that is both tougher and thicker than the original flesh. Usually it's white. You know, it starts to form white, right? I think everybody has seen that before. The purpose of the scar tissue is to form a protective cover or shell. This is nature's way of ensuring against another injury in the same place. If an ill-fitted shoe rubs against a sensitive part of your foot, the first result is pain and sensitivity. But again, nature will end up protecting itself against the further pain and injury by forming a callus, a protective shell on your foot. We are inclined to do very much of the same whenever we receive an emotional injury. When someone hurts us or rubs us the wrong way, we form emotional or spiritual scars for self-protection. We are very apt to becoming hardened and cold towards the world. And we end up withdrawing within a protective shell.
why we have to forgive. Forgiveness is going back to that injured spot, that wound that you had, and actually cleaning it up correctly. So it can stop causing you pain. You guys have ever heard of someone get a surgery and they end up finding out the doctor just was half-assing it and it caused more problems and they just been it's been lingering because they never got the correct operation? This is what we're talking about. Uh, I'm just reading chapter 10. Chapter 10 is all you all, all you need to, to know. All right, let's see here. Failure equals feedback is a good way to reframe. Exactly. I love that. Hold on, guys. I got to catch up to the comments here. I've had uh, quite a few of you guys comment on this, which is amazing. Yep. If you say it's hard to forgive, it will be hard. That's That's another objection that needs to be handled here, folks. Let me ask you a question. What's going to be harder for you, to forgive or to go down before or to live your life and then at the end to look back with regret. What do you think is going to be more harder for you to emotionally deal with? Here's the other thing you have to know too. You're going to have to get your hands dirty. That means you're going to have to feel some pain to finally let go. This is what it is. You may have to cry it out. It's okay. Um. I really believe that the power is in making a decision for yourself and becoming the person you know you should be by forgiving yourself and others. And sometimes in the beginning of that, it's going to be painful, but it won't be as painful as holding on to that and then live the rest of your life and then think, oh man, I wish I would have forgiven that person. How can you forget and forgive being con constantly insulted by your parents? Well, you have to understand that it's not about you. It's about them. They're the ones that are having issues. I was going over it. If someone's insulting you, it has everything to do with them. It has nothing to do with you. Now, obviously, if you insulted them first, of course... But if you're being um, respectful and you're having a positive attitude and there's no sarcasm on your behalf, you genuinely are happy doing what you're supposed to be doing and someone dis disrespects you, of course, that has everything to do with them.
And the one thing you do not want to do is mix fire with fire. You don't want to mix your hate with their hate. That, that's going to lead to a disastrous outcome. You want to operate from a place of unconditional love. You have to operate from a place of understanding for yourself. Because what's going to happen if you dip to their level and allow what they're doing to uh, emotionally control you, you'll end up doing the same thing to other people. That's exactly what will happen. You'll end up doing the same thing to other people, or you'll end up attracting more people just like your parents into your life. The best way to handle this is with unconditional love and understanding. You have to understand that they are the ones that are hurting. And to react emotionally like they are doing is not going to get you the results you want. And the real question here is not really what to do about them. The real question is, what are you doing about yourself? Are you doing everything you're supposed to be doing? And are you applying what we're talking about today? Yeah, you see, great question. Why are you still going around them? One of the best ways to change relationships that are toxic is to remove yourself and focus on your energy. See, this is why you really need to stop going around them. You need to take time for yourself and forgive them for what they've done. Because it doesn't matter what happens. If you don't forgive them, you're not going to get anywhere with that. You've got to take what we've talked about today and truly apply it into your life. And you really got to start seeing that the relationships can improve. And if you believe that and you allow it to happen, meaning you don't force your parents to change, you allow God to do that. Um, I'm confident it will happen. Yep, learn that the hard way. Let's see, FYP really on point today. Thank you. <laughs> Man, I needed this today. I'm happy to hear that. Yeah. You guys are all spot on about this. Our people need this personal development wisdom. Everybody needs it. This is, you know, again, this is not my ideas. You know, I'm just messenger here. And you know what's interesting? All the information comes from the same place as far as I'm concerned. It comes from God. 
or the universe, call it whatever you want. This is what he wants the world to expand, to grow, to evolve and get better. And that can only happen through awareness, understanding, which requires information. And I'm grateful for everyone who's a part of doing things like this because there's not enough of it. And that's why I say you want to take hold of this information and understand it so you can turn around and teach it to other people. Especially your kids. What's the best way to release resentment? Well, uh, there's a, quite a few ways, but I think one of them is forgiveness. That's that's for sure. That's an order. Number two, perception. Why do you have this resentment in the first place? What do you believe in it? What's your perception about what happened? And is that perception helping you or is it hurting you? It's like I used to resent my father because he was never there. And then I realized, well, you know what? First, I need to forgive him because nobody's perfect. Uh, it doesn't matter what it is. Nobody's perfect. And um, he couldn't be the father that I needed anyway. Good. I'm glad he didn't raise me because he's got some bad habits. I changed my perception over it. And the good in there is that I know I will be an amazing father because I know what it's like not to have one. So it's all good. I don't have any resentment. I looked at it as a positive, not a negative. You can't have one without the other. If something negative in your past has happened, there was something good about it. It's your responsibility to look for it and accept it. I choose to look at what my parents did. They were both drug addicts. I chose to look at them and say, what's the good in that? They taught me some life lessons. That not to get into drugs like that. Not to go out there and have a bunch of kids and not be married. Uh, not to hang around people who are going nowhere. Um, those are great lessons. Uh, the other good thing about it is I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for them. So I'm definitely grateful, <laughs> you know, so we get to choose the good that we see in things. It's a choice. Thank you for going live on this topic. I really needed the help. You're absolutely welcome. Yeah. Put your focus on what you truly want and feel what that feels like. Yeah, you see, um, yep. Yeah. Hold on, let me back up here. I think I skipped over a comment. 
Okay, I see that. All right. Uh, let's see here. I see it in a lot of a lot of modern men today. What's that from? Oh, I definitely see that in my fiance being raised by his mom. I see it in a lot of modern men today. High percentage raised by single mom, father, father not there. Um, and so here, here's the thing, guys. Uh, if you find yourself in that position, um, and this is gonna this is gonna require some intelligence on your behalf. I'll, I'll use a kid as an example. Your child comes home and they have Fs. Now, most of you guys want to immediately get into screaming and highlighting what they're doing wrong and really put a lot of attention on their weaknesses. You don't want to do that. What you want to do is get them to see the greatness inside. Get them to see that they can get an A on the test. You have to get the people around you, your significant other, to see that they can be in control of themselves. Um, and telling them to do that, that ain't going to work. It's not going to work. It's through education and giving people the space to grow in that area. I think what happens with people is we don't allow people to get better. We're too busy in a rush and expect people to be perfect right now. That that never happens. And the reality is we're all a reflection of who we're with. You know, so when we see things that we don't like um, from people we care about, it's because we've seen that in ourselves before and we hated it. So when they do it, well, we get pissed. We have to understand that. Today I got a panic attack as I was going to make a sales call. How can I get over this? Um, it's what you were thinking about before the call. It's what you were thinking about before the call, and it was what you were thinking about during the call. So you got to change what you're focusing on. Thank you. How do you release resentment? I believe I just answered that question, so I'm going to skip that. How much do you read versus taking action? Well, if you're directing that question towards me, um, I'm taking action right now in this moment.
if you're talking about me, I've already given you my story. Maybe you weren't listening. Uh, two parents, drug addicts, sexually molested, bullied in school, both in an all-white school and in an all-black school. Mother died during high school, had to figure it out on my own, joined the military. So as far as I'm concerned, um, I've taken a lot of action to be where I am today. And that's why I feel very compelled to share with you guys what I did. And this is why chapter 10 is my favorite one, because this chapter is what really helped me. And it will help you. So I think the real question is not how much do I read versus taking action? I think the real question is, what are you doing to apply what we talked about today? What are you going to do? What can you do? Do you have this book? Have you made a committed decision to read this book on a daily basis? Are you investing in your personal development? What are you going to do? I think that's the question. Don't worry about me. I would just focus on yourself. Do you have a soft copy of Power of Awareness? You talking about the paperback? I believe that's what you're saying. I do have the paperback here. How can we make taking action easy? You got to become obsessed. I think that's just the, the bottom line to it. I think you can, you can um, do what you can to make sure yourself is in a high vibration, of course, that you're feeling good. But there's going to be times where you just don't feel good. And you're going to need to get up and do what you're supposed to do anyway. So, for example, uh, two weeks ago, um, I was exhausted because we did a weekend show 45 minutes away and it was 100 degrees outside. And I had to move all the heavy stuff, of course, which I have no issue doing. But um, after that show, setting up and tearing down, oh, that week I was exhausted. I, I just didn't get enough sleep. And I had to, and I still did these shows anyway. I was tired. Uh, there was one of those shows where I just felt like I was going to pass out. But I'm so obsessed that I'd rather pass out talking about this information, helping you win, than to say, you know what, I don't feel good today. I'm just going to go lay down. Screw that. This is the point. There is no one foot in, one foot out. You're either all in or you're not. And when you're all in, you don't, you don't care about excuses. And this is, the, this is the part of the conversation that most people don't really say publicly. Not a lot of people say publicly, but that's the, that's the truth. I made a committed decision that I'm going to do this every day. I'm going to show up. And I'd have to be in the hospital or really sick to the point I can't actually talk. You know, then I won't do it. Or I'm, I'm on a plane. I don't have service. That makes sense. But uh, no, we're, we're, we're going to do this. 
I find when you're in that position, taking action isn't hard. It, it becomes really easy because it's a simple conversation. This is what I want. I'm prepared to do whatever is required. And the sooner I accept that, the sooner I can put in that work and get to where I want to go. I, I just think that's as easy as it gets. Now, I think the problem that everybody's experiencing in today's world is they want everything tomorrow. And so they're not willing to dedicate themselves to doing something for a long, ex, uh, extended period of time. Most people are, think about it. Most people are not willing to record 50 episodes of a podcast. That's nothing, by the way. That, that's nothing compared to what's going to happen. That's, that's warming up. You know, so my point is, is that if when someone has a burning obsession, oh, they'll do whatever is required. There's no question. There, there's just no question. Let's see here. I applied what we talked about the last time I was on here with my partner and we had a great weekend. There we go. That is amazing. I'm so glad for the testimonial. Really good. Uh, let's see here. It, oh, really? It's not easy for me, though. Please tell me more. What's not easy for you? Yeah, I mean. I like what Nicholas said. You're finding ways to hold on to it with those questions. This is exactly what I say often. I love people asking questions because it says out loud what you're thinking about. It says out loud what you have dominating your mind. That's why it keeps happening. So when people come onto the show or a client comes to me and says, well, you know, this just isn't working. It's hard. I'm struggling. I'm not getting what I want. That's what you keep thinking about. That's why. But if you to really be disciplined with your thinking... And really focus on what you want. In time, it's going to change. That's what I was just saying. People, listen, the first principle in thinking go rich is desire. You have to have a burning obsession. There's just, there's no other way around that. I find that the if there's a cheat code that someone could possess in life, it's when they finally have a burning desire for something because they're unstoppable at that point. Um, and we talked about how to feed your desires. Um, and asking questions, it'll tell you where you're at with your desire. I don't, listen, I don't really have many questions anymore. Like I used to in the beginning. Um, now, when I go to ask questions, usually I'm asking for, uh, because I want some information that's specialized. You know, um, like, how do I grow on TikTok, right? I went to another uh, coach who is doing the same thing I'm doing. He's helping people all over the world as well, and he's damn good at it. So I said, hey, why don't I just go to him and ask him how he was able to find success on TikTok? But outside of that, I don't really have questions. I already know what to do. You already know what to do. 
We all know what to do. The question is, are we going to trust ourselves enough to do it? And when you really have a burning desire for what it is that you want, those those questions, they become, they go in the background. You just start executing. You just say, screw it. I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to do, I'm going to start where I am right now. See, a burning obsession, it, it if you really think about it, if you really, if you really think about it, when we have a burning uh, obsession, we don't allow excuses to stop us. Well, I don't have the money. I'll go get another job. I'll go sell this. I'll go sell that. I'll figure it out. The money's here. I don't know how. I'll learn it. I'll go work with someone who knows it. I'll go get the training if I have to. Um, well, they said it couldn't be done. We'll figure a way out. This is nothing new in history, guys. This is exactly why Henry Ford is known. People know him because of the vehicles, of course. But what people don't get is it took them a while. See, Henry Ford had the, uh, I think you would call them engineers that he hired. And he said that he wanted to create a V8. And they told him that wasn't possible. Can you believe that? We have a V8 now in vehicles today. Can you believe at one point in time, engineers were telling this man it was not possible? They argued with them. They said it couldn't be done. And he know, and you know what he told them? Go back and do it. A year went by. They came back and said, still can't figure it out. He says, go back and do it. And what happened? They figured it out. So let's knock off this BS about, oh, I can't do this. I can't do that. It's a state of mind. You can do anything you set your mind to. We know this. But do we really know it in our hearts? Do we live by that? I think that's the more important question. I think that's the more important question. Let's see here. I was trying to figure out... Um, How long it took them to make it? Uh, I was trying to find the actual um, reference, but I think you guys get the jits. Uh, let's see here. Yeah, let me point something else out to you guys. Your goal is really not to read this entire book. Your goal should be to choose a particular chapter where you need the most work in. 
and just stay in that chapter. Don't read any other chapters. And if you're a person who really does not like reading, I would only read one page and I would keep rereading that one page. I wouldn't read anything else. Because you're going to get more out of reading one page than reading a hundred pages, just like you'll get more out of reading and mastering one book than you will reading a hundred books. Now, I have these books because it's my profession. This is what I do for a living. Um, I'm studying this like a scientist. I'm not really looking to become a guru. I just want to be an expert. I want to be the number one person people come to to get results. So I got to put in the work. I got to keep reading. I got to keep studying. And I know the most effective way is to take it usually one idea at a time, one page at a time. Getting mentor definitely helps for sure. Definitely looking younger after my trauma. Love it. That's amazing, Kim. You can't go back. You can only move forward. Exactly. Excuse me. The access is there. Kimmy, you said it best. I want you guys to look at this comment. The access is there. The burning desire is missing. That's exactly what it is. That's exactly what it is. And that's where I don't feel sorry for people. We all have to take responsibility for our decision making. And um, I had to make a decision. I mean, according to society standards, I could be justified in playing a victim still. But uh, I don't do that. I made a decision not to do that. I had this burning desire to be better. I've always had that. So I'm very grateful. But I had to get the right information. You know, I had to get a mentor. And I had to apply the information. Uh, that That's the other important thing to do. Uh, let's see here.
Uh, let's see here. I'm experiencing difficulties with the live. Is anyone else? I don't think so. I think maybe it's your connection. How do you know you have been healed? Uh, you know it because there's no emotional reaction anymore. There's, there's no emotional reaction that's negative. That's how you know. You almost forgotten it, in a sense. Uh, you're beautiful. Thank you for your valuable words. It hits hard. You're very welcome. Just schedule the Zoom. What is the fee? Yeah, we'll discuss that on there. There's no fee uh, to talk about uh, on the Life Audit call. All right, let's see here. Yep, living your purpose gives you life. Great question here. What are all of you going to apply? Or I think what she meant to say, how are you all going to apply the information you've learned today? Question mark. You see, one of the powerful questions to ask yourself is how am I going to apply this today? Because you're not going to understand until you start applying. You have to apply. You have to take action. You have to start implementing this to see the feedback in your own life. Make your tweaks. Go back. Study more. Understand more. Apply. That's why having mentors and accountability is so essential. Because people seem to not have the patience for that. Why is the healing journey journey so difficult? I have to unlearn most things I was taught as a child. Everyone does. Everyone. Everyone has to unlearn things. Why is that? Well, it's very simple. What got you here to this point will not get you to where you want to go. And the famous quote that most people who are in this industry will t will say, um, which is from Alvin Toffler, he said, the illiterate of the 21st century will not be those who cannot read and write, but those who cannot learn, unlearn, and relearn. Do you even know what illiterate means? Unable to read and write. A person who is not educated. A person who is not able to get what they want. Remember what Napoleon Hill said. 
an educated person is not a person with an abundance of specialized or or an abundance of general specialized knowledge. Uh, an educated person is a person who's developed the faculties of their mind that they can acquire anything that they want and its equivalent without violating the rights of others. To just keep it simple, it's a person who can go out there and get the things that they want in life. It doesn't matter what it is. If they want to start a business and it becomes successful, they can do that. If they want to increase or improve their relationships, they can do that. If they want to become healthier, they can do that. They don't, they don't need a PhD to accomplish that. Okay. If they need to influence people to do certain things to get to where they want to go, they can do that. These are educated people when it comes to emotional intelligence and actually making things happen. No amount of books are going to help you do that. This is why he says the illiterate of the 21st century will not be those who cannot read and write, but those who cannot learn, unlearn and relearn. You see, if you think about it, you've got young people who are young adults or younger. You've got people in the middle, and then you got people at towards the end of their life. We're all subject to the same thing here. People towards the end of their life, they had to unlearn certain things. They had to learn about technology. And in some cases, they needed to relearn about life. All of us is subject to the same thing. The world is changing. It's evolving. And if we don't adapt, we get left behind. We get left behind. And a lot of people have a hard time accepting that. But that's what growth is all about. Growth is not about staying in the same place. Growth is about getting better. The world's getting better. It's moving faster. And we got to unlearn certain things. And we have to embrace that. That's part of growth. And it's not difficult. Just delete the word from your vocabulary. It's not difficult. What's more difficult is living a life of regret. That's difficult. Write that down. You want to know what difficult is? Go to the old folks home. Go to a senior citizen home. Go there and speak to them. I say this all the time. People just don't have the right perception about difficulty. That's the other thing I'm so grateful about the military is because I got to go to other countries and actually see what a difficult life looks like. It's not difficult. Don't accept it. Just reject that type of thinking. I'm, 20, I'm 21 years old. Do I need to find my purpose now? That's a great question. Yes, but you're not going to find it now. So don't get upset if you don't know what it is right now. Your job is to go out there and discover it through what? Staying curious, going after things that interest you, things that you enjoy. Until something starts to stick that you really love. You see, at 18, or it was 19, uh, I knew I wanted to be a speaker and a coach. I just didn't believe in myself. I went the safe route. I joined the military. I guarantee... You already know what you're interested in. You already know something that you would really love to do, that you're obsessed about. 
question is, do you see it that way? Do you believe in that? And the reason why you may have a hard time seeing it and believing it is because you've grown up in a world that has made you believe that there's only a few ways to make money, that you can't make money with what you love to do. You got to make money online. You got to be, you know, Mark Zuckerberg. You got to be Jeff Bezos. You don't need to be any of that. You'll find more success in life by finding out what it is that you really love to do and sticking to that. The money is always here. I think the most important thing a person could accomplish is discovering their purpose in life because at least they'll know why they wake up in the morning. And from there, you can establish goals. You know where you're going. You'll have the burning desire to change. But if you don't have a reason to to begin with, you ain't going to do it. So this is not, it's not a, a conversation about you, you've made a mistake, you're behind, you're late in life. It's nothing like that. In fact, it's an encouraging conversation. If you don't know what your purpose is, you know what that means? You finally have an opportunity in your life to discover what that is. And every single day is another amazing day to discover it. Another day is another day to get closer to that answer. That's what your mindset has to be. It can't be, oh, well, I'm too late or I'm behind or I'm too old. Screw all of that. Because none of that really helps you get to where you want to go. You just have to accept the fact that you will discover your purpose in life and you're going to enjoy the journey there. Do you think it's levels to healing, intellectual, emotional, and physical? I think there's levels to everything. And there's no ending. Because let's say in one area of your life, you've got it down. You get this. You mastered it. But in another area of your life, you haven't. There's levels. What is 369 manifestation? I don't know what that is. Hi from Germany. Hey, how's it going? Losing interest in everything because you're not living on purpose. That's exactly why. You got to find your purpose. The purpose is something that you really love to do that you're willing to dedicate your life to doing. That's just the bottom line. It could be in the form of a career or in the form of a business. And in some cases, it may not be either or. It may just be in something that you volunteer your time for um, every week. You know, you could basically, you could be a person who enjoys the, the career that you have. And then like on the weekends, you are coaching or volunteering or mentoring or doing something of that nature um, that really impacts uh, what you really care about. Um, that could be you as well. But generally speaking, it's it's something you really love to do. That's exactly what it is.
I'm 50 years old, still don't know my purpose, which means you have an opportunity to discover it. You still have so much life ahead of you. I'm sure you know this by now. Uh, there's many, many years. There's a lot of work that still needs to be done. And where should you start? Well, one is a resource is download my purpose finder cheat sheet, which is in my bio. It's the link in my bio. It's totally free. You can download it. It's a worksheet that helps you answer questions to ultimately get to the statement of what your purpose is. But here's the deal. Here is the deal. You're going to have to do a couple of things. Number one, you're going to have to do a lot of reflection because somewhere along the line, there was something that you probably had some enjoyment in, but you immediately got rid of it or you moved on. You didn't think nothing of it. This happens. I've spoken with hundreds of people just in the last 90 days about this. And it's the same every single time. We all have a purpose. The issue at hand is that because of the way we've been taught to think or how we've been told what to think, we're almost blinded. We don't see it for ourselves. And because we don't see it, then we think, oh, I don't have one. But you do. And you'll get there by asking the right questions through self-reflection. I download the cheat sheet um, and start there. If you don't find any progress in that, your next step would be to schedule a call with me. And I will get into what you have going on in your story, your situation. And um, if you feel I can help you, then I will help you and we'll bring it out of you. This happens every time. Sometimes, if not most of the time, I have to actually sit down with my client, ask them questions, and then it comes out. I want to be a speaker and a coach, but I don't know where to start. Okay. Well, let's start here. Let's start at the end result. What type of speaker and coach do you want to be? What are you speaking about exactly? What problem are you helping people solve? Start there. Then work your way backwards. Now, let me make it simple for you. So sometimes I have coaches that are watching. This is, this is, this advice people charge thousands of dollars for, but I'm going to give it to you just straight up because it's just ridiculous that this is not said publicly. The best thing to do, and I think this is not just for coaches. I, I actually believe this is for any person looking to start a business. The best thing to do is to solve a problem from others that you've already solved for yourself. Let me say that again. The easiest thing to do is to solve a problem for others that you've already solved for yourself. I've already solved finding my purpose. I own a business that I love that makes me a lot of money. I've changed my life. I've changed my self-image. I use mindset to do that. That's why I'm helping people do the same because I've already gone through it. You guys notice I'm not on here talking about earning seven figures, eight figures, nine figures. I haven't done that. Why would I talk about that? That doesn't make any sense. Why would I start a business talking about something that I've never done myself? Right? So I believe that, or let me, let me say it this way, because there's some context there, right? I don't want to confuse you. The context is this. Now, if I helped someone, which I have already, earn seven figures, 
then I could say that because I've done it already. I've helped someone do that. But I think the easiest thing for a first-time coach, a first-time business owner, is to sell a product or a service that has helped you already solve problems in your own life. I think that is the no-brainer approach every single time. Every single time because you know that product or you know that service like the back of your hand because you've already been through it. So trying to go out there and sell something that you don't even have an emotional experience with, not saying it can't be done because there are people who can make that happen. Don't get it twisted. But I I would say that's the best advice I could ever give a coach. I would just go out there and solve and speak about things that you've gone through yourself. Uh, let's see here. My purpose is to help others in need, but I don't know how to narrow that too broad. No, it's not. No, it's not. My purpose is to help people succeed in life. Now, that's it. That's the purpose. What you're trying to figure out is, what does that look like? What am I going to do to fulfill my purpose? What am I going to do to fulfill this purpose of helping people who are in need? That's the question. There's nothing wrong with your purpose. You're spot on on it. What you're really asking is about your vision. Well, what's the vision in regards to this purpose? Guys, this step-by-step process is in the Purpose Blueprint course. Yes, I do have a course and it comes with an ebook. Yes, I have one just like everybody else online. I know, I get it. But understand this. If you were to get that course, you know what you're getting is a step-by-step process to making this happen. Step number one is your purpose in life. Step number two is you create a vision. Meaning now that I know what my purpose is, What am I going to do about it? What does that actually look like? Who do I want to become? What do I want to be doing? What is it that I want to achieve because of this purpose? Then step number three is you set a goal because you got to be focused on one thing here. What am I going to focus on to actually start making this happen? I often tell people your purpose in life is the compass. Your vision is the map with all the destinations on there. Your goal is the first destination that you're going to. That's how the Purpose Blueprint course starts off. That's phase number one. It's called clarity. Getting clear on where you are right now uh, as far as what your purpose is and where you want to go. You don't have that information. Everything else doesn't matter. You're living. You're not living in alignment with what matters most to you. This is why I talk about purpose so much. Purpose is based on the thing that you love to do. If you're making decisions that are not in alignment with what you love to do, you're going to find yourself to be very, you're going to be unhappy. You're not going to have any fulfillment. This is what people have done. They've spent money. They've gone into debt and years in a career that they do not have any passion for. They did it because they were told to do it. Not their fault because they don't know any better, but that's the reality. And the reality is this too. We live in a time where there's no shortage of money. 
So if you're that person thinking, well, DeVore, you don't get it. Um, I can't make a lot of money as a barber. You don't have the right mindset. I can, I can give you five ways to make money as a, a person who does hair in a salon or a barber. I could give you five different ways. Number one, retail. They walk in. Number two, a subscription service where they pay you a monthly subscription. They can get their hair done anytime that they want. Number three, you can sell them the products. Number four, you can teach other people how to do it. Number five, you can sell books on this stuff. Come on, man. You want me to keep going? It's a mindset. It truly is a mindset. Now, to execute those different sources of income, it takes a person who has a burning desire. This is where I go back to it. You're not going to think creatively like that if if you're not if you're not all in on this. So, number one is your purpose. Number two is your vision. Number three is your goal. Then the second phase of the purpose blueprint course is mindset. Now, by the way, if you or anyone else who's listening to this right now, if you feel you need that level of clarity, then get the Purpose Blueprint course. There's no reason to delay on that. Just get it. What is phase two about? It's your mindset, the way that you think, how you feel. It's what we talked about today. Uh, step number four is self-image. You got to get rid of these emotional scars. You got to start seeing yourself as the person you want to be. Uh, step number five is your belief system. You need to reevaluate your belief system because a lot of your beliefs, if not all of them, are not even yours. They were passed down from your parents, your environment. Number six is your habits. What are you doing every day? What habits do you have right now that will slow you down from fulfilling your purpose in life? You need to identify that. And you need to replace it. Step seven is actually creating an action plan for your goal. A one-page action plan. You keep it very simple for yourself. Here's the primary strategy. Here are the action steps I'm going to take. Here's what I'm doing every day. Boom. Step eight is specialized knowledge. What support, expertise, and relationships will you need to not only follow through on your action plan, but get to your goal. Who do you need to work with? I think I've said enough. The Purpose Blueprint course. I think it's the most simplest, effective thing out there. To help people discover their purpose in life and actually start doing something about it. I hate having to drag stuff out of my clients. I charge them extra for that. Denial is real. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people, they just don't see it for themselves. They need people like us to bring it out of them. And that's why I'm grateful to be doing the work that I do. I'm sure you are too. I think it's beautiful when we're able to accomplish that. Uh, especially when they have the aha moment. The light bulb clicks on. I love that.
Uh, let's see here. Uh, let's see. I okay. I already answered that. What's your business? Uh, blah blah blah. He's a mentor. Mentors aren't coaches. Of course they're not. They can be. I was explaining this to someone yesterday. A lot of people have a problem with labels today. They get too caught up in them. The difference between a consultant, a coach, and a mentor, what are the differences? And why does it even matter? In the end, I don't really believe it matters because the real important question is this. First, are you clear on what you want? If you're not clear on what you want, you don't even know what you're looking for. So if you are clear on what you want to a certain extent, meaning, listen, I want to love myself more. Well, who should you probably work with? A coach who specializes in people in self-love. Or a coach who specializes in mindset, because that has everything to do with mindset. Now, consultants, on the other hand, I think they really are amazing when it comes to business. Because they're highly specialized. I look at consultants as a doctor that you, you fly in to perform a particular surgery. You see, businesses do this all the time. Especially larger corporations. When they have an issue with the employee turnover, they hire a consultant. The consultant comes in, evaluates what's going on, gives them the recommendation, the advice. Here you go. Here's what you, you should do. Now, the coach, on the other hand, could be working with that consultant and working with the managers one-on-one -on -one to get the managers to see the solution. So consultant comes in, gives you the roadmap, the specialized recommendation. Here's what you should do. The coaches are there to bring the answer out of you without telling you, to get you to see the answer for yourself. To help you work through those mental blocks and follow through with accountability. And then mentors are there because they've already done it before. So they can generally tell you what mistakes you should avoid. And they're really that light in your life that really makes this, that really helps you see the greatness inside yourself. Um, I really think mentors are really amazing at educating. Um, and really being a source of knowledge. And I think in order to do that, you have to be someone who's already gotten the results. So I don't mentor people when it comes to um, employee turnover or managing $10 million companies. I don't mentor people with that. I mentor people when it comes to living their purpose in life, getting the most out of themselves, living a abundant life. That's that's what I do. Because I've already gotten those results. Um, and I think that if you're a person out there looking for a mentor, there's only two things you should be looking at. Number one, do they have the results themselves? And then number two, have they helped other other people get those results? And that's the same for a mentor, a coach, or a consultant. doesn't matter what it is. And just because, let's say, a coach doesn't operate a multi-million dollar company does not mean they can't help you build a multi-million dollar company. 
Um, we see this all over the place. Some of the best coaches in sports are coaches who never won a championship. And they were never the superstar on the field. We see that the people who were great at what they did, oh, they're the worst coaches. Because <laughs> they don't have patience like that. Understandably so. So I, I, I'm saying that to say that I get that question a lot from people. Um, and, you know, maybe that's some value for someone out there who was wondering that question. Because people always ask me. All right, let's see here. Uh, your YouTube live has better audio quality. Uh, the course is official, you guys. Thank you. Yeah, if you guys want to know how to get it, it's in my link in bio or in the description on YouTube. Uh, hold on. Let me get to some questions on YouTube, and then we're going to wrap up here. Let's see here. What did what'd you have to say? How easy was it for you to let it go? The abuse, I mean. When I look back at it now, I'm going to say that it was easy, but probably in the moment, it may not have felt that way. Only because I have things to compare it to. Um, I compare the journey I took to forgiveness versus everything before that. There's no comparison. My life before starting forgiveness was 10 times more difficult than the actual forgiveness itself. Because when you're, when you're, when you're not living that way and you're living with pain and, and resentment and guilt and all that other stuff, that's what your life is consumed with. That's, you're automatically draining your energy. So as I look back at, at it in hindsight, I'll tell you right now, in the moment, it may feel feel difficult, but you have to remind yourself what's more difficult or what, what feels, um, you know, what's easier to deal with. I think that's the better question. It's easier to deal with forgiveness than it is to live a life of regret and pain and to be a hypocrite to your children. That's the last thing you ever want to do. Because you know how it feels to have someone tell you what to do and they're not doing it themselves. You know you don't respect people like that. So what do you think? Your children are not stupid. That's why accountability and personal responsibility is everything. And here, Here's another one. Since we're on this topic, let me just say this out loud. For some of the parents out there that really need to hear this. Some of you guys don't need to hear this because you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. But if you ever say out loud again that what is my child's problem? I've done all this for them. I've sacrificed. I'm working hard for them. And this is how they repay me. Let me remind you of something. They didn't choose to come into this life. You got pregnant and you had them. Take some freaking responsibility. I can't stand when I hear people say things like that. Oh, well, you know, I'm, I'm doing all this for, for him and he's not appreciative. First of all, 
wasn't his decision on why he's here in the first place. And second of all, you're not even taking responsibility. Your children are a direct reflection of you. Tough pill to swallow sometimes for people, but it's the truth. It's the hard, cold truth for people out there. But that's some truth that will actually help you get to where you want to go eventually. Uh, if you accept it that way, of course. Um, I think that's responsibility is the key to freedom. It really is. So as I digress here, um, taking responsibility was easier than not taking responsibility because sooner or later you get older and you realize I'm the problem. And if I don't handle this problem, I'm going to continue to have the same results that are not good. And those results are so disruptive. You know, the the examples are very clear. We all know that person at work who was bright, smart, intelligent, but couldn't get along with anybody. Well, why would we make them in charge of the company? Well, they know everything. I don't care if you... Listen, we used to have this in the military. Remember I was talking about Blue Falcon, right? A person who's an individual who ends up harming people and getting their buddies killed because they're not following orders. They're not working with people. Well, you know what else is, is terrible just like that person? Is this. Think about this for a second. I want you to really think about this for a second. Okay? If you're not doing what other people... Um, or saying we should do, and you go off and do your own thing, you're putting everything at risk, right? Right? Then that makes but get this. So the other thing besides a blue falcon is a person that most leaders would not want on their team. And you know who that person is? It's a person that knows everything and does not work well with others. I don't even want that person on my team. No, thank you. I'd rather you don't know anything and you're stupid, but I know you're going to work with people. Then you'd be the smartest person. And you can't work with anybody. No, thank you. And nobody's really stupid. I think you guys get my point. I'm saying if someone clearly doesn't understand yet, they just need some training. You know, I, I'd rather spend time working with that person because I can build a culture. I can build positive habits with that person. That person's more open minded. They're more committed person who's too smart for their own good they're closed-minded they ain't gonna listen that's why we have to do this work i'm gonna apply this to my marriage i see emotional instability affecting my children yeah this is the work that we have to do well you don't have to do anything but you know if you want to get what you want in your life you're gonna have to make a change inside i think we all would agree to that All right. I think we're finally at the end here. This has been a very good show. I want to say how grateful I am for each and every one of you. Um, I can't tell you how I appreciate the opportunity to still be here today and really hear the feedback from you about how this has helped you, uh, how this is continuing to help you get what you want, how much changes and growth has occurred and we're going to keep that going. I'm going to keep showing up. You're going to keep showing up. We're going to keep winning. 
And it's because we've made a committed decision to go out there and get the things that we really want. It's what you deserve already, by the way. You deserve to live a, a happy life, a life that means something, a life of purpose. You absolutely deserve to live that way. And don't let anybody tell you otherwise. What we talk about on this show, it's life-changing. And it's not my ideas, by the way. Even better. So you stick around. If you're new here, this is your first show, you're going you're gonna to find some changes starting to occur. And they're going to be good changes. So with that, I'll let you guys go. Thank you, guys. Love you. And oh, also, this was recorded. So just in case somebody came at the end, this was recorded. You can go back and watch the replay on YouTube and listen to this on Spotify, Google, Amazon, or Apple Podcasts. All right, guys. Take care.